Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I am Jack, he is Frank. As always, we are going to talk some Bears football. You might be asking yourself, what news could they possibly have? And none, there's there's no news. I mean, there's one item on the agenda, and then uh, we want to talk a little uh, NFL.com, put out their their draft grades uh, for, the, uh, for the NFC North. Obviously, the Bears are in that division, so I wanted to touch on that. Uh, and then uh, we are going to go into our quarterback carousel because things could spin pretty quickly. So we want to get our our thoughts locked in on paper before franchise tags start going and all that good stuff. So I'm sure all of this will be super accurate, super relevant in the next few days uh, and nothing we say will be wrong. Uh, but, Frank, let's start with like the little tidbit of news. The, the Bears have cut Al-Kadim Muhammad uh, after one season. I think he had one sack. Uh, just not a not not a very productive year for the uh, free agent signing from Indianapolis. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know it wasn't like you know, it's not a marquee player going down, but uh, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I'm glad it happened. Just like you said, he was pretty unproductive, and that's putting it nicely um, throughout the year. I mean, at times, if we were like to search our text thread when we were watching games, it was just like what the fuck is he doing out there? Like we didn't, I mean, it was, it got, it got pretty bad at times. Um, but I think, I mean, to me, this is just another, you know, good sign from, from polls for me. You tried it. He got a, what, I think it was a one-year deal or two, two-year deal. You, you cut, you cut where you, where you see fit. Like, you know, polls doesn't seem to be just holding on to guys just because, oh, well, my initial evaluation was right. I mean, at the very least, it has to show you that they're continuing to evaluate throughout, you know, seasons. Um, but I think ultimately, Jack, it is disappointing. I mean, we didn't expect him to be like Julius Peppers or anything, but that signing to me signified like some sort of steadiness on the defensive line that we just did not get. Now, again, I'm not saying, oh, we thought this was going to be like a top 10 pass rush, but al Muhammad was just like a professional defensive lineman. That's what we thought we were getting. And we didn't get that. Like, you know, had I, you know, I sort of had the same expectations for him that I did when the Bears signed Pernell McPhee back in the day. Like, was the contract a tad bit bloated? Sure, maybe. But, like, you knew what you paid for. You got what you got. A high-motor guy who was going to bring it every night, get some pressures. He usually got five to eight sacks. I mean, that, that's cool. I mean, to get three pressures in one sack in a season, man. Like, I don't care how much you're getting paid at the NFL level. That's bad. That's yeah. really bad. Um, so, overall disappointment. But, again, uh, you know, I do like that, that it at least signifies that there's there's ongoing evaluations from this regime. It's an optimistic way to put it. I like that. Uh, it's, it is disappointing uh, in the sense of how much we were excited about the sign. And, again, you know, I don't, you know, Frank and I weren't expecting this to be Khalil Mack in 2018. Like that, that of course, that's not going to happen. But the guy who just had his career year in his age 2060, uh, age 26 season, going into his 27th age, um, and he'd just been with the head coach that got hired. So it looked like a guy that could step right in and make an impact on a defense that really needed a pass rush. That, of course, also being expectations put on Robert Quinn rebounding, Travis Gibson at the beginning of this era, Trevis, excuse me, however the fuck's <laughs> broadcast is saying it. Uh, but it's just like, it just didn't, it just didn't pan out for some inexplicable reason. Like, Al-Qadun Muhammad was so bad that he was tied for seventh in sacks on this team. And this team did not 
have a whole lot of sacks. Like he was tied with Joe Thomas, Armand Watts, and Robert Quinn for sacks with one. Yeah, I mean, Jack, like that, you're, you're like speaking he to had him. six sacks the year before. I just, I don't. It's just so weird how it just didn't translate. It's very strange. Yeah, and I mean that sort of goes into my pessimistic take on things is that he wasn't the only free agent signing that was a failure by Ryan Poles. Granted, again, I'm willing to call everything a wash because he wasn't working with the most amount of money. And if Larry Ogunjobi is healthy, maybe like it's a totally different defensive line, right? Um, But the one thing that we really liked about Ryan Pace, and this, I don't even know if we were doing a podcast yet, was like he was finding guys to re-sign after, you know, sort of testing them out for a year or two. Akeem Hicks wasn't Akeem Hicks when he came to the Bears. (laughs) Like, they found him and maybe even played a huge role in his development there. And it's like, as a rebuilding team, you really accelerate things if you can get one or two hits in, in a year like this. They didn't even get the one or two. And as a matter of fact, like, you know, guys like um, Darnell Mooney on the opposite side of the ball, guys like, I don't know if the, the opinion on Jalen Johnson swayed, but like, they didn't exactly take the steps that we wanted them to. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's also that part of it too. So it, it's overwhelmingly makes me feel like there's a lot of work to do still. Um, versus like, if he gets seven sacks, you're like, hey, if Travis Gibson gets like seven sacks, you're like, man, maybe they got a little, maybe they still need like the guy, but here are some some solid up. There's like nothing. Like who, who can you be optimistic about right now, you know, on that defensive well, line? Well, I think that's, I think that's a good transition to, uh, to sort of the draft and, and how it's looked at. Cause you're right. The, the overall team, I don't think there was a lot of guys that stood out that really, improve their game um, outside of maybe I'd say Jaquan Brisker uh, and, and even Braxton Jones to a certain extent. While I don't think he improved to become, you know, an all pro lockdown left tackle. I do think that he was as good, uh, very consistently good throughout the season. Like, yeah, he had some ups and downs. Of course he did. He's always a fifth round rookie, but uh you know, I, I think that was a guy that that they they did hit on, um, and so we wanted to take a look at uh, NFL.com's. Uh, they had their their draft grades for uh, the the NFC North, and I'll, I'll run through the team's grades. I'm not going to go through what he said for each team. Um, I do want to break down some of what he said for for the Bears. We'll go through that, uh, but just grade wise, um, surprisingly, the Bears finished second in the in the grades. Uh, the Detroit Lions finished with an A minus. Obviously, a very, very productive, good draft for them. Uh, the Bears with a B minus. Uh, the Packers with a C minus, and then the Minnesota Vikings finished last with a D, with a grade D, uh, which I'm sure that they're not, you know, exactly excited about. So um, the Bears uh, finished with a B minus. Um, I'm not going to go through each player that they drafted, but I'll just read a little of what Eric Ed Holmes had to say um, in his in his article, and then we'll we'll kind of break it down. So missing the first round pick from the Justin Fields trade, which ended up being number seven overall, had to sting a bit for first year GM Ryan Poles. Uh, but the Bears managed to check off some important boxes on the offensive line and in the secondary via the, their day two and three selections, as well as the undrafted free agent pool. Obviously, we can guess who he's talking about there. Uh, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker ended a trial by fire at times as rookies on a thinned-out Chicago defense, but they combined to produce seven interceptions, eight passes defended, and two forced fumbles in their 29 combined starts. Brisker also added four sacks, but missed some tackles and mental errors stood out. 
Gordon was picked on at times, but also picked off Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen in consecutive games. So let's obviously talk about those first two paragraphs, first starting with trading the number seven overall pick uh, for Justin Fields. Um, yeah, I'd rather have Justin Fields than the 100%. number seven overall pick. Yeah, easily. I mean, because what would this year have been without that? Like now you're, you're, you're t- this, this would legitimately be a wasted year. Well, because, we'd be gearing up for the we'd be gearing up for Bryce Young or well, CJ Stroud. No, for, for sure, and that's what I mean. Though we would just be looking for a quarterback. Like this would be a total reset that I, I'm not. I would not be prepared for. Like I, the last year would have been unwatchable without Justin. Number seven pick this year uh, was the Giants drafting Evan Neal, which I think that was a pretty good pick. But I'd rather have Justin Fields than Evan Neal and a question of quarterback. If I'm being honest with you, I'm um, right there with you. Uh, the the defensive backs you and I have talked about that those two uh, just a number of times uh, in regards to um, just their season overall. Obviously, being the biggest name draft pick so far in the Brian Poles tenure. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, the stats sound great. Seven combined interceptions between two rookies. I think that's awesome. Picking off Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, I think that is an accomplishment. Absolutely, um, Brisker. Being a guy who can get four sacks in a defense that really couldn't generate pressure, I think that's awesome. Um, but I think that's a little bit of kind of what we talk about when when stats really don't explain or tell the whole story. Um, I think they they ended the season on a positive note. I absolutely believe that. Um, but I don't know. I, those The stats don't really mean anything to me. What, what about you? Yeah, I'm right there with you. The stats make it sound a little bit better than what it was. But I lean more towards what you said, though. They ended the season strong. They showed a lot of improvement throughout that year, especially Kyler Gordon. Like, Jaquan kind of was who he was for the whole season. And that wound up, like, honestly, if that's his floor, I'll take that from my strong safety. Um, Some of the mental errors, some of the the bad angles for tackles, you hope that gets cleaned up with with the full offseason and everything. Um, And just maturity at the NFL level. Um... But the one we really saw, I mean, Kyler for like the first four weeks was great at the worst starting corner in the league. Um, so that was that was not good. But we saw him start to really show those ball hawking skills to a point where I was just like, hey, what's Eddie's contract looking like? Could we like cut him and and, and put uh, put Kyler at safety, especially with, you know, this year's draft is, is pretty well known to be pretty deep at corner. You draft another one, maybe in the second or third. But um, yeah, he showed immense improvement. Um but if you have to isolate just the season, like if we're not taking, you know, expecting development further, I probably give both of them a C. Um, with the context of being, we didn't want two secondary pieces. Like I would rather <laughs> have either Alec Pierce or George Pickens, George Pickens. just flat out right. point blank. Right, right, uh, and and you know I think it was it's it's worth noting that. Um, it wasn't like there was a guy who came on late and the pressure, you know, really started. They improved without the pressure yep. really, really performing. So you can only imagine what happens if they do get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson and sign, you know, Deron Payne or something like that. That improves that front four uh, to make it a little bit easier for that back four. So, you know, I, I think 
signs are pointing up for that. So I'm, I'm not, I, I don't argue with anything they put there. Uh, Braxton Jones was the steal of the crop. He stepped in at left tackle and looked to be exactly the kind of athletic mover and mentally tough competitor the Bears were seeking. Even with a few glitches, Jones' future appears to be bright. Um, Frank, do you agree? Do you agree that that Braxton Jones should have should be kind of locked in as the left tackle? I don't know about locked in at the left tackle. <clears throat> I think he needs to be locked in on the starting, like on, on the line. Um, even if you shift him to left guard or move him over to right tackle. My only reservation there is that I feel like we had similar sentiments of Larry Borum last year going from left to right, and he didn't have the greatest year at right tackle when he was healthy. Um, so, you know, there, there's worries there. Who knows if that's the transition or just that's not his fit, whatever. But um, I think with his play, he's earned himself somewhere on the line. But he didn't play well enough to say, oh, you just don't look at left tackles either in the draft or in free agency. Like, absolutely not. But with that said, he was a fifth-round pick, and he started every single game. Like, he, that is a fucking accomplishment. That is very yeah. good. So, like, that is an A-plus draft pick. Like you, Like, you don't just do that because you need a warm body. Like they would have gone out and gotten someone else to protect their quarterback, their young blossoming quarterback, if he was an absolute bum. And he wasn't. He played very good at times. He played, you know, he had some blunders. I, there was one really bad game, and I'm glad, was that the Washington game where he just kept getting yeah. run over? Um, yeah. And, people and it did, happened at the end of the season too. Yeah, and I'm blanking on what game that was. I, th th those are the two that really stood out. But um, realistically... I, I like the, the article drafting up like his athletic abilities because that was the book on him coming in when I read his scouting report after we drafted him was he's very athletic. It's his base strength that he needs to work on. And that's really what we saw. The bull rushes is what he couldn't handle. He kept getting run over. So at the NFL level, you would think with that type of athletic training, with that type of nutrition, with that type of <coughs> steroids, <coughs> that he can get stronger over an offseason. And, and, you know, because he has the athleticism to, to play that position. His hand placement seems to be very good. Foot, footwork is very good. It's just that core strength. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's the st he may be one of the whole steals of the entire draft, dude. Like, get, like if you get a starting tackle left or right that late in the draft, that's that's an accomplishment as a GM. Yeah, I think I think you make a great point uh, talking about how he wasn't just starting because um, he was just a guy. Like they they tried combinations all over the offensive line. And that was pretty much from day one, the only thing that was consistent throughout the entire season yeah. was was uh, Braxton Jones at left tackle. So, um, yeah, I, I think athleticism wise, he's definitely a guy that you can count on. And, and obviously the tough competitor. I think that's that's a great point as well. He, he was one of those guys we were begging for last year to sort of, you know, with Tevin Jenkins to sort of stand up for your quarterback when he's getting hit. And Braxton Jones would do that. Um, so that was nice to see. Uh, rounding out the uh, the little um, article right here, Vels Jones did not earn the coach's trust in year one outside of some late-season opportunities. He has some juice as a runner and returner, but appears unrefined so far as a receiver. With Jones turning 26 in May, the Bears must figure out his utility quickly. Dominique Robinson started seven of his final eight games, but was held without a sack or even a quarterback hit. Jack Sanborn and Jalen Jones played well enough to earn roster shots in 2023, but the rest of the group was underwhelming. Um, let's start with Vellis Jones, because that's that's kind of the biggest name. Uh, the, the more I think about it, the less likely I think that it is. He's guaranteed to be just caught outright um, during the summer. I think he'll get 
at least during the season opportunity. Like he might get cut week six, you know, if he keeps fumbling puns and things like that. Um, but I just, I don't see them cutting a third round pick this quickly. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how he improves as a receiver, but the, I, I mean, the points right there in the article, he's, he's he is going to be turning 26. And that was one of the things, Frank, that it, when the draft happened, you and I were sort of, you know, kind of shooting down some of the stuff because the age stuff was just getting out of hand. And, you know, if the floor was going to be high, then that's okay. If he was going to be a yep. more finished product, then him being 25 doesn't matter. The problem is, is that he's turning 26 and there's it feels like he's as much of a development project as Dominique Robinson is. That's that's the really big issue. That was going to be my exact point, Jack, is like we weren't upset about it because and, and this is really going to be my theme throughout the whole offseason. When we talk about the moves that we want the Bears to make, we need to raise the floor. It doesn't matter how high the ceiling is. If the floor is too low, then you're talking about a eight win, seven win team because you're going to be so inconsistent. Um, when when they drafted Vellis Jones, notice I say they when I don't like them, and it's we when I like them. Uh, we thought that the floor was high. We're like he's twenty five years old, going to be twenty. Did he, did he he turned twenty six in the season, right? Or he will be twenty six for next year. He's going to turn twenty six in May. Okay, he's into okay, but older prospect. But you're like, hey, that's someone you just plug in at the slot. He's going to be your kick return guy, punt return guy. And we knew he was really good with the ball in his hands. That's different, um, you know, halfback plays maybe, different wildcat play. I mean, you're, you're thinking of the, like different ways, different holes that he can fill on this whole roster to, to up that floor. It just simply wasn't there. Like, I, I don't think me or you were ever like, oh, yeah, he has like a shot to be a number one receiver. Because you watch the film, his route tree is not very refined. But it's very clear that he's a very athletic, very fast player. Um, and you thought you were at least getting that. And they didn't get anywhere near that. Like, it wasn't even close to, to what the expectations were, especially given, I think the biggest disappointment was it's not like he came into, you know, a Miami Dolphins wide receiver room. It's not like he came into a Minnesota Vikings wide receiver room. He came into the Bears wide receiver room. With, like, realistically, if you had half of a route tree in good hands and didn't fumble, you could have been their number one this year. Not, not for the long term, but like that's how bad the talent was, you know, in, in, in that room. And you just couldn't take advantage of it. That's the disappointing part. He reminds me a lot of Cordero Patterson. And I would not be surprised if his career kind of kind of goes that way as well, where he's like never like a thousand yard receiver guy. But he's like 700, 800 with, you know, four or five touchdowns. And then some team tries him out as running back. And then, you know, they 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 kind of get like. <clears throat> this team, if, if they just keep using him on jet sweeps, like that's not that's not going to do anything. He he gets you know maybe ten yards every now and then, but it's it's just not. He just you're right. He didn't take just any sort of step forward in terms of opportunity. He just didn't grab the moment, and and it was unfortunate. And and you know he has the speed. They just sort of have to work him into this offense in a way where you can get him touches. How they do that remains to be seen. Uh, Dominic Robinson, I don't think there's a lot to say about that. He one and a half sacks. He was a fifth round pick. Didn't really have a lot of expectations. Former quarterback um, and like receiver. Like it, that was clear. He was a project pick. If he never amounts to anything, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Jack Sanborn uh, and Jalen Jones are the other two mentioned here. Obviously, Jack Sanborn was a revelation at, at linebacker. Um, I think he's absolutely going to be given a shot to win the starting job at starting linebacker. 
And then Jalen Jones, like, you know, as much shit as we gave him, he was one of those guys at the end of the year where you're like, wait, is that Jalen Jones out there? Okay, all right, all right, yeah. all right. So, you know, maybe they have a little more corner depth. He's not going to be a starter, right? But but he does give you a little bit more depth, especially if he continues to improve the way he did this year. No, I totally agree. I think the only thing that I disagreed with the description that you read I thought that completely encapsulated my feelings of Jalen Jones about like, oh, he's going to be given a shot. I think Jack Sanborn is your middle linebacker next year. I, I don't see like how he even, can be. Not even, not even twice thinking twice about it. No, and maybe you get like a fifth round pick for depth or like a, a veteran minimum guy for depth. But he showed me way more than enough. I'm not sure. Very concerned about the injury. He played. Which they shouldn't. Which right? They they they, they shouldn't be. Um. Again, it came to a point. People can go back to our TikTok clips or, or you know, or earlier episodes. Like the first few games, you're like, man, for an undrafted rookie, he's doing some things. But it was like it was about the fourth or fifth week, and we were like, wait a minute now, fuck the undrafted status. He's playing good football. Like I don't care if he was a first round pick or a, a millionth round pick, he is playing very well. Um, so yeah, I mean, to me, he should. I, I mean. The, the team is so bad coming off of this year that you're not going to say no to competition basically anywhere outside of maybe quarterback. But that is one that if we don't sign someone, you know, that's, that is going to immediately take his spot unless there's like a Luke Keekley, Brian Urlacher type, you know, Patrick Willis that's just out there waiting to be scooped up, which there isn't. That spot can be left alone outside of depth. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just, I, when it comes to undraft, it, it kind of reminds me of how um, of how you talk about running backs mm-hmm. in, in general um, with rookies and just just overall. <clears throat> Obviously, not talking about the top tier guys, but maybe not necessarily Damian Pierce, but a guy like that, where it's like, yes, he he had a very good season, but don't be surprised if there's a guy next year looking to take his place. Uh, Miles Gaskin is, a, I think, a great example. Like, people were locking him in as the as the starter in Miami, and then they just went nuts and, you know, started bringing guys in. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't disagree that I think Jack Sanborn could be the starting middle linebacker. I would just be surprised if they don't. Like you said, bring in a third round, fourth round pick, something like that to to you know for depth purposes or whatever. But I mean, in a in a season where there just wasn't a whole lot, he was definitely one of the brightest spots possible. Yeah. And and that's the thing. That's why I think I wouldn't even be looking middle linebacker unless I'm sure that this is Brian Urlacher resurrected. Because sure. there's so many other holes. To me, that'd be a wasted pick when you have a guy that even if he doesn't have as good of a year that he did in his you know limited time, like to stretch it out over a full year you at least have something to plug in for this year, you know? Right. So, Right, and, and again, it, it's kind of what we talked about uh, after the draft uh, last year where, you know, they had the secondary pieces. Now it was kind of like, okay, you know, we're not exactly thrilled, but as long as that means that they don't spend a lot of money at the cornerback spot, they don't spend a high draft pick at the de- defensive back spot in this upcoming draft, then then fine. It is what it is. It gives you, you know, some more flexibility to improve other things. If Braxton Jones ends up being a, a starter on the offensive line, great. That's one less spot you have to worry about yep. moving forward on a roster where I mean, just the needs are, are just absurd. Um, all right, Frank, let's, uh, let's get into our quarterback carousel. Um, this was, I had some fun with this. Uh, I did a couple columns. I did what I think will happen, 
for for everyone and then what I want to happen. Some guys I didn't really answer that because it just I didn't really think it mattered yeah. um, too much. But um, I did want to want to sort of give it a shot here. So um, let's go ahead and get started. I think we have a similar order um, just in terms of of how we texted each other. So we'll start with the biggest fish in the pond, the one we know 100% will be on a new team. Let's start with Derek Carr. Uh, where do you have Derek Carr ending up this offseason? This one, this one was hard for me, Jack, because I, I have him going to the Jets because uh, there's a lot of smoke in that direction. But that's not what I want to happen. Um, I want him. I want him to go to Carolina just because I feel like it. It adds to like the craziness that's happened over the last few years. Okay. Um, but I also think he brings them like a steady quarterback that they just have not had. I mean, they like Carolina's tried fucking everything the last the last couple <laughs> of years, and I think he would he would sort of provide that um, you know that baseline level of quarterback play that would really rise them and probably be like a, a back half playoff team. Um, but I think he's going to the Jets. Where do you got him going? I have Derek Carr ending up in New Orleans. Oh. Uh, and I know that cap-wise, it's going to be a little bit challenging, but we've seen New Orleans make things work, even when it all seems impossible. Uh, I mean, just you think about the division and how winnable it is, like the the weapons that Derek Carr would have to work with. I mean, you think of Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill right, at, uh, right at wide receiver and tight end, boom, there's your starter right there. No, um, but, uh, you know, the, the, the relationship he has with Dennis Allen, um, I, I think it's a. I think it would just be a really good fit. Where I'd want him to go, I would love to see Derek Carr in Tampa Bay, and I feel like that's a team that people are sort of forgetting about. Tampa Bay's offense is is kind of like win now. Like, yeah. Granted that you know Tom Brady couldn't really make it work, so you know what who, what says Derek Carr would be able to. But you think about just some of those weapons, fantasy wise. Like I'm, I'm talking like dynasty, just fantasy in general. Derek Carr in Tampa Bay could be a lot of fun. If I'm being completely honest with you, it could be. But something feels fundamentally broken in Tampa, and I don't know if it was coaching staff because yeah. realistically, like Tom missed more throws that year than I think since since like the last year with New England. That was when I thought he was getting over the hill, but he still looked this go round like he was in still like physical condition like he didn't look old like like he did sure. his at the end of his tenure with the patriots so that makes me just feel like something was off and i don't know exactly what it was i mean because mike evans was healthy for most of, the, most of the year run game wasn't horrible especially i mean rashad white had a solid year once they started plugging him uh, in more than lenny um o-line wasn't awful i don't know it just, it, something was just off there and i don't know if it was a um maybe it was uh byron Lethwich. Who's now gone? It 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 could I would say it could have been Leftwich. It could have been um why am I blanking on the, the head coach's name? Uh <clears throat> Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. I, I I he looks like Bunny Colvin from the wire, so I always want to say I always want to say Colvin. <laughs> um but yeah, and like I I don't know exactly if they just weren't meshing all together, right? I mean, but I think one thing is for certain there, and I don't want to take a deep dive on like on everything, it just sort of some thoughts, but um I like it's so weird that Bruce Arians and Tom sort of had some falling out because I felt like they were perfect for each other. And it's very clear that like he was the thing that made that engine go. It it feels a lot like sort of what's happened in Kansas City, right, with Andy Reid just 
he is the candidate. Yeah. Like you can have guys sprout from the tree, but it just is Andy Reid. It's just he can't yep. really replicate it. Um, and, and Todd Bowles didn't really do all that well in his first co- go around as a head With the coach. Jets. So, you know, it, there's no guarantee that he, it's going to go right this time. Um, so that's why I didn't put him as I think that'll happen. I, I still think the connection to Dennis Allen makes a lot of sense in New Orleans because uh, that team is just a team that will not give up, right? They they just, they have to be in it. They, yep. they can't rebuild for whatever reason. I got so. a better one for them, Jack, a little bit later. Okay, go on. Okay, all right, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Let's start with, uh, I, so I'm going to group these next two together um for me but specifically i don't know if you had the same thing um let's go with let's go with uh let's go with aaron Rodgers next i think i know who you're grouping him in with and i'll be quick with mine because i had the same thought but the the card of the jets is just too there's too much smoke there and i think that's an easy fit um i have aaron Rodgers going to the raiders i think you're speaking of smoke and fire i mean that him and Devontae. There's no shot Devontae hasn't texted him every single day before his darkness retreat and said, hey, buddy. You know, he's starting to get into his psyche. So when he's on those mushrooms, that all he sees is Devontae Adams sitting in front of him, you know, crisscross applesauce, telling him how great it is in Vegas. Uh, Yeah, that's where I got him going. Okay. Uh, So I'm just going to group the next two together um, as as sort of a surprise, and then I'll I'll, sort of give you. So what I think will happen, Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Zach Wilson stays with the Jets. What I would love to happen is for those two to flip-flop because Green Bay Packers fans having to deal with Zach Wilson would be just peak comedy. Um, And and Aaron Rodgers in in New York would also be pretty funny and just like as a a complete follow-up to the Favre stuff. I I just, it would would be pretty mind-blowing for that to happen basically two times in a row. The reason, Frank, I I think they're both going to stay is I just don't, I just can't see Green Bay moving on. I just, I really can't. Um, and on the on the Jets side of it, I don't really know what they could get for Zach Wilson at this point. Like, what makes it worth it to let him go as opposed to, unless he's just like the absolute worst teammate, like we've kind of heard he might be. What what does getting rid of him do besides just make your franchise look foolish? Like. I, I don't I don't know if it's as bad as the Josh Rosen stuff. Like he doesn't seem as bad as Josh Rosen, which is kind of crazy to say. But I just I don't know where he go. Like what team would want to take a chance on Zach Wilson at this point? Out of out of all of these teams I have listed looking for quarterback help, not all of them because some of them are going to draft rookies. We already know that, but. I just, I just don't know where else he could possibly go at this point. Yeah, I feel the exact same way, and that was the scenario that I wanted. I wanted Rodgers with the Jets because I think that's a, that's an easy pitch. You, you have a couple years left. We'll, we'll take on that whole contract. We have some of the best young weapons in the league at every position. This is easy money for you. Get in here, try to get us a ring. Um, with Zach, but to me, the trade would make sense to Green Bay because now at least you have another young quarterback. To reel out there. I mean, because th- this was my point last year. And again, I know people don't think that I can be, or like either of us can be subjective here. But I, I think that that was a, a, not subjective, objective. But that was a pretty objective take that we had last year. Is that, look, it sort of just, just run its course with Rodgers and Green Bay. Um, 
it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, he had a, a, an illustrious career there. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Last year was the year to get three firsts for him and completely expedite the rebuilding process. And not for nothing, you get the whole year to test out the rookie that you drafted in the first round 15 years ago. The guy's got grandkids already. Um, but to me in this situation, this makes sense as well because you still have Jordan Love on that team. You really him out for a year, maybe a half year. If he's not there, try it out and see what you have in Zach Wilson. Because again, one of two things is going to happen. Both in scenario one, both absolutely suck. You win two games and you get to go out and pick your quarterback next year. Caleb, whatever his name is from UFC, uh, USC. And a lot of people are high on him. Um, or one of them winds up being way fucking better than you thought. And now you can build around them. That expedites your process because you have X amount of first round picks. That scenario still makes sense. I don't think you're getting three this go round for, for uh, Rogers, but you might get one or two. And that, that if you can solve that problem in this year that you had no expectations, that's all the better. That's a cherry on top. Um, but specifically, Zach Wilson, I agree with you. I, I don't think, I mean, you have to just ride it out until you probably just cut him. Like, I think it's more embarrassing for you as a franchise if you give him up for a seventh round pick than like literally just letting him play four years and letting him walk. Or like, yeah. I don't want to say play, letting him sit on the roster for four years. Because um, what can you get? Even quarterbacks who are desperate for a quarterback, you think of like Atlanta needs one pretty bad. Um, Houston needs one pretty bad. They're all looking probably at rookies over him. Or if not, they're looking at someone super steady, that like a veteran that's super steady to get them, you know, to to have a, a, a sort of, you know, riding the ship type of year. Like, what does Zach Wilson provide for you on a quarterback needy team? Even a young team. Like, imagine if the Bears were in this situation. Let's say we didn't have the first pick, but we don't have Justin Fields. We trotted out, you know, whoever we trotted out this year and, and we won four games, five games. We have the, the fifth pick. So it's very clear we either trade up or like trade a fifth for Zach Wilson. That's an easy scenario. Why in the world would we right. want to trade anything for Zach Wilson? What <laughs> right. would he do for the remaining years of his rookie deal with with the Bears? You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, and I feel like any other team would have that outlook on him. He's just not very good at the NFL yeah. level. Yeah, and and the maturity stuff you factor that and in also into his playing yeah. level, and it's just like I don't know how you justify taking a risk like that unless the Panthers just want to go just all in on the bit. And just go and trade for your, for, for Zach Wilson. I want someone um, to one day. I know, I know you do, and, and maybe we'll see it. Uh, another big domino piece, uh, Lamar Jackson. Um, Frank, I have a I have a couple thinks and wants here for him. So uh, I want Lamar Jackson to go to Atlanta. <laughs> I do because <did> too. <laughs> just the smoke, like you were talking about the smoke with Derek Carr. That I mean, the Atlanta stuff. I feel like would just be a ton of fun. It's by far the best wide receivers he'd have ever have in his career. You think of the running backs they have already ready to go. Um, that would be a really fun mix. And then what I'd want, and this might be a surprise, and and this is taking out of the the I'm taking my Bears my Bears hat, Bears fandom hat off for this one. Um, I would like Lamar Jackson to go to Indianapolis. Um, I just you, you think of the weapons that he would have in Indianapolis. You think of the offensive line, him being paired with Jonathan Taylor, him being paired with uh, just a really good defense. And you think about how Jalen Hurts was used in Shane Steichen's offense. Obviously, Nick Sirianni's as well, but same tree. Like you don't, you can't tell me that Lamar Jackson wouldn't have success in that offense as well with the types of weapons that he would have to work with in Indy. I think that would be a really, really fun mix. 
Obviously, as a Bears fan, I don't want that to happen because that means they're probably not trading you the number four overall pick. But I just think as as from a pure Lamar Jackson standpoint, that would be a very fun team for him to go to. I agree. My want was Atlanta. I, I just think that that's such a fit. And I mean, it's like Vic 2.0, like that fan yeah. base is used to that style of quarterback and that would be phenomenal. Um, But ultimately, I think he stays in Baltimore. I, he, he, I think he's going to take the same route that Kirk Cousins did. It's going to be two uh, franchise tags and then he's going to walk. But I think this is the route that he he wants. Like he want, he's his own agent. He wants to have that level of control um, that Kirk Cousins did. And the only way to do that is to walk through that fire and be on these one year, forty million dollar deals or whatever the hell the, the cap number is now. Um, before you know, before he gets to choose his own team. It's just, it's just, you know, it's interesting. This is a very interesting situation for because I I can't necessarily. I know a lot of people. Are, are just like shell shocked that the Ravens would even consider letting him go and just, you know, haven't paid him and, and this and that. But like, and you'd be realistic about Lamar Jackson and sort of where his career has sort of started heading. If I'm the Ravens, if I'm a Ravens fan, I, I don't really know if I want them paying him that much money. I mean, you, you kind of look at, and I know stats aren't, aren't everything, but you know, in, in 2021 and 2022, 17 touchdowns, 16 passing touchdowns, couple, you know, it's just like he, he hasn't topped 3,000. He's only topped 3,000 passing yards once, and that was back in 2019. And again, I know that that's not really his game, but I mean, you look at the rushing numbers, those are all down. He only had five rushing touchdowns in the last two years. That, that it, That's not going to get better as he ages. Right? Yeah, so I you think really are banking on him developing as a passer and, you know, where the Ravens are right now. I don't really know if they can afford to do that because they don't have the weapons for him. Yeah, I, I think the the weird thing and I, I have uh, some friends who are Baltimore Ravens fans. I, I think he's a better passion than what people give him credit for. And I'm not saying that you just completely downplayed his, his passing, but he, he's not like a pure pocket guy. He's. I mean, him and Fields are probably the two best runners in the league at, at quarterback. So, like, that's always going to be a part of his game. Um, it was something about uh, the offensive coordinator. Uh, what is his first name? Roman. Greg, Greg Roman. Greg, I don't know. Why do I want to call him Bill Roman? Greg Roman. He never takes any sort of heat for anything. And I do think, ultimately, all signs sort of pointed to him. Like, I know he got a ton of credit, deservedly so, when they changed it to a, a full-out rushing power-O offense early in Lamar's career. But then he sort of made the pivot and said, you know what, Lamar, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do some more things through the air, and Lamar won MVP. For them to not be able to continue to add on to that, because Lamar hasn't looked very like different to me in terms of what he could do on a football field, I don't know. It, it just felt like it was it it was the OC and the offensive philosophy as a whole. Like they needed someone to like put them over the top, um, and it wasn't Roman to do it. But my greatest concern with Lamar himself is just the injuries. Like he like you look at someone that runs the ball a lot, like Josh Allen, like Justin Fields, like Cam Newton. Prior to you know him getting older, those are big guys. Like they that, that like yeah. I still don't want them taking unnecessary hits. But if they take a dinger every now and then, they're built for that. Lamar can't slide for shit. <laughs> like, he doesn't like to get out of bounds. And you, you like you like that fire in a player, but he's a slender dude. He's not he's not built the way that they are. Um, you know, to sustain those types of hits. And that's what would worry me if I was a Baltimore Ravens fan. 
And and again, paying him all that money when there's still a lot of room for your roster overall to improve. It's not like you know they they plug in Lamar Jackson and they're instant Super Bowl content, like Super Bowl favorites, I should say. Um, so it's it's really kind of it's an interesting balancing act. I'm I'm curious to see what does end up happening there. Uh, a couple more mid-level guys um, that obviously won't take as much time to, <laughs> to talk through. Uh, but uh, let's start with uh, the comeback player of the year, Geno Smith. Um, for me, Frank, this is an easy one. I, I think he's going to stay in Seattle, and I want him to stay in Seattle. I really don't see any other re- like any other option for them. It seems like a really just an easy plug-and-play for Pete Carroll as a team that wants to win now. Um, what do you think? Do you have Geno moving at all? Um, what I think is going to happen, Jack, is the Bears will swap picks with Seattle and acquire Geno Smith in in the meantime, and then trade Justin Fields for a fourth round pick since he's not a very good quarterback, and then we have our quarterback of the future. Um, no, I think I think Geno stays in Seattle. It, ma- it makes the most sense because just looking at him, like personality wise, I think he fits. Like, if you just gave his personality to Russell Wilson, Russell would still be in Seattle incomplete on it like he's just I think the perfect fit for what for Pete and what he wants to do not only just skill set but just like in the locker room as well um and I don't think he's going to demand an absurd amount of money like I I think the contract is going to fit for them to continue to build um you know to be playoff contenders for the next few years I the rumors I've seen, man, the, the, the arguments for trading Justin Fields. Wait, have you seen the meme? It's been really funny. It's like, well, NFL fans, and then it's a quotation mark, Justin Fields sucks, he can't throw. And then it's like, also NFL fans, and it's like him photoshopped in every one of their favorite team's jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's why they're doing it. They want him to get traded. They want him, yeah. they want him on the team. It's it's just, it's it's so funny. It's like Bears, the Bears have literally never had stability at the quarterback position uh, outside of Jay Cutler. And, and obviously Justin Fields' ceiling is is infinitely higher than yep. Ben Jim Cutler's at this point. But it's like people are just so quick to act like, well, Justin Fields, you know, he, he's nothing. He's never going to be anything. You might as well move on and, and start the process. So it's like, God damn, like, can you just let us have one? I don't see these conversations being had with literally any other quarterback outside of Justin Fields. It's it's very strange. Even Zach Wilson, people are still like, oh, you know, hold on. Just give, give him some time. It's like, come on, man. What, what are we doing yeah. here? Um, all right, uh, veteran quarterbacks that we wanted to continue with here, Matt Ryan. Um, so, Frank, obviously an asterisk next to this one. I do not believe Matt Ryan will be going anywhere to be a starter. I think he is clearly going somewhere to be a backup, but a very, you know, well-paid Joe Flacco-esque type backup um, that really doesn't play that well when they get in, but that doesn't matter. Um, it's all about the name and, and grooming the or, or helping develop a quarterback behind in front of them, a younger guy. Uh, so I have Matt Ryan going to New England, Frank, as uh, as Mac Jones backup. Um, they they do need a quarterback like or, or I should say they, they need some sort of safety net at quarterback unless you really believe that Mac Jones and, and Bailey Zappi are both going to just rebound and, and be, you know, absolutely incredible. And Matt Ryan just kind of seems like a like a Bill Belichick guy. He seems kind of like he has that Tom Brady demeanor, um, and I, and I think he would be a really good tutor for for Mac Jones to help him develop even more. So, so I, I think that could I think that could happen. Um, and then kind of like wanting it to happen, I could also see him going to like Houston 
and and being just the backup quarterback there for for Bryce Young's sake. Um, this is where I, I provide that stability for New Orleans because okay. he's not going to give up. They're not going to give up. He's going to sign, you know, an a, a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal. Oh yeah, um, I think he's going to New Orleans. Okay, I could also see him going to Tampa Bay and 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 trying it. Out I can there. too. I didn't. I you know, spoiler alert. I didn't add them to my list because I do think they're going to have a complete teardown. I I don't think. You think they're just gone? You think they're they're blowing it up? Hey, yeah. We'll take Mike Evans here in Chicago. We'll take Chris Godwin I mean, too. We'll take them both. I, yeah, I will. Yes, I will take both of them. Uh, all right, Carson Wentz. So, um, full disclosure, Frank, I do think he is going somewhere to be a starter. Oh, but, but for half the season, uh, and that's because I have him going to Arizona, and I have him playing on that team until Kyler Murray is is healthy and ready to go. I think they'll want to stop gap quarterback to. Um, you know, just keep things afloat until they sort of are able to kind of get on track with Kyler. What do you think about that? That's a good one. I really like that one. I didn't even consider Arizona for this exercise either. I was thinking like yeah, long-term or for the year. That's a really fucking good one. But here's where I got Carolina kind of leaning into it. <laughs> I had to get them in here somehow, Jackie. They're going Carson Wentz, baby. Carson, dude, the 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 off-season or, 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 mm-hmm. or the... Uh, Mini camp videos between Carson Wentz That's and Sam point. Darnold are going to be phenomenal. I, I'm I'm almost kicking myself in the ass that I didn't put Baker back on that fucking team because I, I want for, that so bad. I for I forgot I for, I did forget that Carolina does have Frank Reich. And uh, and that's that's who oh, that's his boy. I didn't, I didn't even make that connection, but there's there's a little that's warm his, connection there. <laughs> that's his boy. That's his boy. Maybe that uh, that that could definitely be a realistic option. Uh, I, I'm going to stick with my Carolina or my Arizona one, but Carolina would just be Chef's kiss. Hilarious if, if he ends up there with Frank Reich again. Oh man, that'd be good because our our guy Avram. Is, is a big Panthers fan, so we'd have yep. to have him on to talk about that. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Frank, this is where I this is where Las Vegas makes their move to me. You got the connection uh, right there with uh, oh my god, Josh McDaniels, and I don't think Jimmy G is going to cost a whole lot at this point. I know he was looking for a big contract that never happened last year. He just is coming off of an injury or a season where he finished out being injured. He's not going to get big money. And and the Raiders aren't going to have to pay a lot to get him. Um, but he's a guy, even if they draft someone, like if they trade up and get Will Levis or, or you know, if they end up driving, drafting C.J. Stroud, you get Jimmy G. Now you can let them sit for a little bit, um, I, I'm you know, and 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 sort of go that route. So I just think it makes a lot of sense given who the head coach is, the relationship with Jimmy G, the cost factor, because it's not going to hamper what you're doing. It's not paying $50 million to Aaron Rodgers. You're still going to be able to make some additional moves as well if you go that route with Jimmy G. All those points remain for me, and that's why I have him going to Houston. Because I I do think that would still allow them to draft a young guy, Jimmy G, if he's a backup anyway, he's probably the best backup quarterback in the league if he's your number two. Um, but Houston also, I, they just they have this like identity to me that it would I almost feel like it could be a Mike Glennon Bears situation where it's like they really do think like, hey, 
we could shelve our quarterback for a year or two if, if he can push us to the playoffs. Because um, that just seems to be the identity there. I, I also kind of feel if they get Jimmy G, they might not even draft a quarterback this year. Is that is that a crazy thought? Oh man, that would really that would really hurt the Bears if they don't draft a quarterback. I don't think it would because I, I to be honest with you, I think the lead contenders right now and yeah. until until I, I see anything different are Carolina and Indy. Yeah. I, I, I think Houston, even if they want a quarterback, they're okay with settling for whoever's there at number two. Okay. All right, I I, I kind of like that fit. I can kind of see where you're going there. Um, the next two, I'm I'm going to group together because I just think this is a, a little more. I don't necessarily think this will happen, but I kind of want it to. So I'm just going to mold them together. Uh, I want a flip. Trey Lance, the Giants, Ooh. Daniel Jones, the San Francisco 49ers. Tell me that both of those teams wouldn't be good fits for those two quarterbacks. You got Brian Dable having his athletic young quarterback that he can develop in Trey Lance. San Francisco gets another mobile quarterback that uh, that Kyle Shanahan can transform into just the greatest quarterback of all time. Frank, th- him getting $45 million is not going to fucking happen. I, I don't know what that's Daniel Jones thinks he's in, but that's that's not going to happen. If they if they do come to that you know to that point where they're like, dude, we're not paying you, and he's like, well, I'm not signing here. They could I could absolutely see them moving him. And what better team than San Francisco or Baltimore? I guess. But, then, but I'm going to stick with San Francisco. Where where are his options if no one's going to pay him that money? Mm-mm. So that, that, and that's what makes me think. I love your idea. I do. I do. I do think it's logical, and I think they're good fits there. But that's why I think he stays put. With New York, they either tag him or they come to an agreement to get him down to like probably. I mean, what what is like an average starting quarterback making? Is it 30 million, 28 million in that range? I, I mean, I mean, you watch the playoffs and you, you really justify giving him 30 million dollars. Yeah, but it's also like, where do they go from there? If that's their floor with him, unless they can get Lamar. That would be fucking phenomenal too. Actually, like, I'm thinking about like, it. Like Frank, like Daniel Jones is asking for forty-five million dollars. I know he threw fifteen touchdowns last season. Like, he yeah, did he run for like for seven. he, he ran, ran for, for like three hundred yards on the Bears. He he ran for seven. But like you, ah oh man, you can't justify that. You can't justify paying him I, forty-five million dollars. I agree, but I I also think I think Trey Lance. Stays put too. And okay. With in my scenario, Jimmy G being gone, and I think in every scenario he's gone. I don't think he's going back to San Francisco. No. Um, I think San Francisco, outside of them just being a curse for quarterbacks health wise, that's not a, the worst spot to be in. You got Brock Purdy and Trey Lance in a quarterback battle uh, this off season. I don't think that's the worst, especially with the way that Purdy played. No, no, I I, I agree. And and again, I think it's very strange how many people were excited for Trey Lance last year and then have just completely given up on him. It's it's just a very strange shift um, to a guy who, who was hurt. And it's not like he played terrible. The one game he played was in that rainstorm where nobody would have been good. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with Trey Lance. Um, I just – I think that flip would be really fun. Uh, like I said, Brian I Dable with Trey Lance would I, – I just – like that to me – 
would be like Josh Allen 2.0. Like not necessarily the player with that ceiling, but just like that development, that style that they play, it's very reminiscent to what Josh Allen was in Buffalo before he became Josh Allen. Um, the last one, Baker Mayfield, Frank, I just have him staying in, in uh, Los Angeles as the backup. Cause I mean, Matt Stafford is locked in as the starter, but there's no guarantee he's going to be healthy anymore. Like this, this could be a, you know, an injury that not necessarily ends his career, but it could be the one that starts pushing him down that path where, you know, we don't know what he's going to look like. I think the Rams would be kind of foolish to, to let Baker go when you have a competent backup, especially on Baker's side, he would be kind of foolish. I think, I think he should kind of go the Mitch Trubisky route where it's like, you know, stay as a backup and just, just play it out and see what happens, you know, when you get an opportunity and, you know, maybe you build it yourself. Cause, cause I mean, who, who is going to sign Baker Mayfield at this point? You know, what what any of these teams that we've listed, who would really go out of their way to go and get Baker and act like that's an upgrade from where they're currently at? Yeah, I I totally agree with your sentiments. And and that's why I think the Rams are his best fit, not only because what he showed them last year is like McVay can work with this. Like, it's very clear that they can do a little at least something with him. Um, But even from his standpoint, not only just like you said, teams really aren't going to pursue him outside of maybe being a backup, which he's going to be the backup with the Rams, but this is your probably best shot to play again in a year or two. Because Stafford, that injury, I, I you may be talking about retirement, not this offseason, but next. And if right. you sign a two-year deal, you know, with incentives to say, hey, if I start X amount of games or if I win a playoff game or whatever, like, I think this is the best scenario for him personally and, um, you know, for, for, for the team too, just to have... Because I I think they are going to be, as long as Sean McVay is there, they're going to be in the same boat that New Orleans was in. They're never going to completely blow it up. And this, to me, would expedite them sort of keeping afloat being that playoff team versus letting him go, having Matt Stafford, and then having who at backup quarterback? Josh Johnson or something. You know what I mean? Like, you're talking about a total wasted year versus having someone who's been there for a few years in the system, can, can you know, can plug right in get you eight, nine, 10 wins, depending on how you build around him. And then continuing to go that way. I just don't ever see them completely blowing things up. They've traded too many draft picks with this regime. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, I think that kind of does it in terms of teams. Um, the rest of the teams, um, I, I think will draft Indianapolis. I think they're pretty much locked in to draft a quarterback. Uh, the Panthers, definitely the Raiders, Texans, obviously teams I didn't mention. Um, I'll be curious as well to see who the bears get. Um, you know, as, uh, as a potential draft pick um, later on to play quarterback for, or at least backup quarterback for them. Because I know Trevor Simeon is still, you know, on the on the roster, but, you know, he was also hurt all year. And then we saw what happened when uh, he wasn't available. So, um, but yeah, this, this quarterback season should be very interesting uh, to see where some certain guys land. Um, I know you mentioned it was a little bit more difficult than, than last year. It wasn't as I, I think I agree with you. There really isn't as much clarity, like even at the top, right, with Derek Carr, like the one guy you know will absolutely be on a different team this upcoming season. We still have no clue where that's going to be. Yep. So it's, it, it was, it's, it's very interesting to see what will happen here. Uh, but uh, this has been the Bear With Us podcast. We, we really appreciate you guys listening. We're going to keep doing fun stuff like this all year, or all offseason, I should say. Um, We'll get a little more into the draft stuff as that sort of comes along. And hopefully we'll have some Bears 
some Bears news to go uh, along the way, Frank. Yeah, I'm excited for it. This is just, you know, the first episode of many this offseason where we'll take like deep dives on things and and have some fun with it. But again, this is going to be the first time that we have a high draft pick. We have a quarterback. I think we're going to have fun with some of the content. You know, we'll do the normal stuff like ranking the positions and dynasty stuff and all that. But yeah, we are in for a very, very fun offseason. Until then, we will talk to you later. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody. Everybody love everybody!